Welcome to Career Tools. This week, five annoying habits which will kill your interview. The questions this cast answers are, what things do candidates do that annoy hiring managers and recruiters? What behaviours should you avoid as a job candidate? And what are the worst habits of job candidates? If you're a manager, you need Roadmap. All licensees of manager tools have access to Roadmap, an app on your phone that guides you through every step of the Trinity rollout process, no more annoying emails, and allows you to monitor and measure your implementation of one-on-ones and feedback, and soon coaching and delegation. Few clicks every day, everything you need to know about rolling out the Trinity and becoming a more effective manager. Kate, this came out of a conversation that Mark and I were having. We started on one annoying thing that candidates do. And then, of course, like two recruiters together in any recruiters in any room anywhere in the world. The first thing you do is say, God, candidates are really annoying. And you describe one. And then 40 minutes later, you realize that you all you've done is describe annoying candidates and people you've interviewed and funny stories and We all have hundreds of them. And so recruiters everywhere will relate to this because they all have annoying candidates. But the sad thing about it is that the candidates don't know that they're doing these things. And a recruiter won't tell them, a hiring manager won't tell them in an interview, oh, by the way, that's really irritating because that's not their role in an interview. Their role is to see whether or not the candidate is good enough for the company. Uh, So we're going to try and tell you what those things, some of those things are so that you can avoid them and not annoy your hiring managers. So what are we going to cover? We definitely don't want to annoy our hiring manager. We have five things. We have being late. It's not a good one. Saying that's a good question, being unprepared, being unable to provide the rationale, and a bonus of not having a good answer. Good list. I'm excited. (laughs) So the first one is be late. So I want to tell you this story. I had a candidate who was due for an interview at 11 o'clock in the morning. And overnight, it had snowed. And if you're in the UK, you know that if there's more than an inch of snow, in fact, if there's like four snowflakes in the entire country, we just shut down. The UK is completely unequipped for snow because it happens so rarely that we don't need to be equipped. So we don't have enough salt. We don't have those road things that plow the road. We don't have heated pavements, all the things that people in other countries have because they're used to the snow, we don't have. So the trains were barely running, the buses were not running, and the traffic was doing five miles an hour everywhere because people in Britain don't know how to drive on snow either, so you just go really slowly. And you couldn't park in our parking lot because it was covered in snow and you couldn't find the spaces and they didn't have a snowplow to plow it. So we were in that situation where everybody is struggling to get to work. And some people are going to make it and some people aren't. But, you know, everybody, it was going to affect everybody's journey. So it was like nine o'clock in the morning and I was calling candidates who were being interviewed that day to tell them you don't need to come because there's snow and we'll just reschedule. Mm-hmm. And the candidate I called said, I'm at the train station They say there's going to be a train at 9.15 and I should be at your town, the town I was in, by 9.30. And if I can't get a cab, I'll walk. 
this candidate was so determined to get to his interview, he'd started his journey 90 minutes early and he was standing on this freezing cold, snowy train station platform and willing to walk the mile to the office from the train station. And I was like, you really want this job? No, he was he was really putting himself out to want this job, to show us that he wanted this job. So when somebody says, oh, I'm late because of traffic, or I'm late because my childminder was late, or I'm late because I couldn't find a parking space, you know, any of those kind of classic but low-level excuses for being late, they don't wash with me. Because I always think back to him, and he was on time. He had every reason not to make that journey, every reason to say, look, I can't get there. And he didn't. And so anybody's like minor lateness now with a minor excuse doesn't wash with me. It's such a great story. And part of what it highlights is there really are no good reasons for being late. If Mm -hmm. you don't know where the building is, you can go find it the weekend before. We should always leave enough time for traffic. You should monitor traffic nowadays. You can get traffic information immediately. Mm -hmm. You can get it on an app. You can get it on the radio. You should not be late because of traffic. You shouldn't be late because of parking. I mean, you should be early enough to find a parking space. It would be better, in my opinion, to sit in the car for 20 minutes early and then walk across the parking lot and still be there on time rather than to get there with 10 minutes to spare, assuming that parking will only take 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. You could call an Uber if you have trouble. You know, there are just so many, so many ways to avoid being late. And being early says, I want this job. That's your interpretation of his behavior. His mm-hmm. dedication to getting there on time, regardless of the issues, says, I really want this job. And when you're late, you, th- you think in your head, okay, it's only that you happen to be late for this interview because of something that occurred, some circumstance. But to the person who's hiring you, what you're really saying is, I don't care. I'm not concerned about timeliness. I'm not concerned about being there when I say I'm going to be there. I may never be on time for work or on time for my assignments. I won't be on time for my projects. It says, I don't care about your time. I'm not respectful of it. And I don't really care about basic business courtesy. I'm not concerned with the ways that people should behave in professional settings. It sounds harsh, but from from the hiring manager's perception, from their perspective, the 100% of the times you've met with them, you've been late, right? Mm -hmm. That's all the evidence they have. They can't, you know, anybody could say anything about their timeliness, but the one time you had opportunity to demonstrate your timeliness, you were late. And so, yeah, while it's to you, it's like, this is the only time I've been late for anything in the whole year. That's not how the hiring manager sees it. And you have to see it from their perspective. They're looking for evidence that you're going to be a good candidate, a good employee, and the only evidence they have is that you're late. Yeah, you only get one chance to be on time for this. And it's more important because there's not an aggregate of data, right? It's just one data point. So you don't get to say, oh, look at all this other data that proves that I'm timely because they don't have that. And you're kind of digging a hole for yourself. If the other candidates are all on time, the first impression that you've made now is, I'm late, everybody else is on time. You're just putting yourself behind the rest of the pack. And it's really hard to recover from that. And you're doing it to yourself. Right. Absolutely. So the next one is, that's a good question. So what happens is candidates 
say that's a good question when an interviewer asks them a question. So the interviewer says, um, can you tell me about a time when you ran a project and you brought it in on time and on budget? And the candidate says, that's a good question. And this is what runs through my mind when they say that. I know it's a good question because otherwise I wouldn't have asked it. I only have 60 minutes. I'm not going to waste it on questions that have no value. And it's a, it's a little bit unfair, but again, it's this is the evidence I have. And what candidates are often doing is using it as thinking space. So while they're thinking, they're almost automatically their brain says, say this. <laughs> and they're not really listening to what they're saying, they're thinking. And some candidates do it after every single question. So every single question you end up with, you know, um, that's a good question. I know that's why I asked it. That's a good question. I know that's why I asked it. That's a good question. I know because that's why I asked it. And that's all you remember from the end of, at the end of an interview, you know, you've got six candidates that you see in a day and you look at the resume and you go, oh yeah, that's the good question guy. That's the thing that's memorable. Yeah. They're digging that hole again, right? Mm-hmm. And we understand why candidates do this. There's two reasons. One of the reasons may be that they're sucking up. They think if they compliment you, that you as the hiring manager will be predisposed to like them better. And it just doesn't work. It's not completely misguided and it's completely ineffective. (laughs) The hiring manager doesn't need validation. And frankly, they don't want validation from you, the candidate, about their questions. They don't need that. They've asked the, they're asking these questions for a reason. Sometimes we see we see people in the public eye do this. We see maybe you've seen politicians do this. And it doesn't mean that it's a good idea. People don't actually like politicians that much. So basing our, our plan on what to do is not a phenomenal one. And thank goodness you're not a politician. Maybe you are. And that would be, that's great. Well done. But most of our listeners aren't the same way that you and I, Wendy, are not. And so we don't want to do that. And the second reason that candidates might do it is because they are doing it to think. And so just as you said before, they're unconsciously saying that. They're not really thinking. And what we want to do instead is just stay quiet, right? Just pause and don't say anything while you're thinking. When you're talking, it feels like a long time if the pause is a little bit longer than you're used to. But it really is not. In fact, if you're listening to someone else, if you're listening to them talk, longer pauses are pretty common. And I don't know, Wendy, you've probably never had anyone pause too long. Mm -mm. Yeah. And this isn't a normal conversation. So the normal rules aren't completely applicable. I mean, there's conversational rules. Like we don't want to interrupt and things like that. But the hiring manager knows that this isn't a normal conversation and that, in fact, you're thinking. And it's probably okay for you to take a minute, pause, think about your answer. If I was hiring someone and they took a minute to pause and they said, even if they were, you know, they felt uncomfortable about it, for me, I would think to myself, this behavior, this pause indicates to me that they are actually contemplating what they'll say. This isn't just some rote answer. Exactly. I have a habit of starting sentences with so and I was aware of this and I did a, a speech at Toastmasters and I was determined not to say so. So what I would do is every time I thought in my head, so I would just 
pause and then think of the next word that was going to be in that sentence. So instead of saying, so I went to the grocery store, I would pause and say, I went to the grocery store. And I actually had to think quite hard to get myself over the so. But what happened was at the end of the speech, everybody said to me, really good use of pauses. It was really added to the story. Oh, it's like, I was like, huh? <laughs> because I was just doing it to get over my habit. And yet they heard something completely different. And so the message there is, the hiring manager won't notice. And if they do, they'll, like you said, they'll value the fact that you're thinking of a good answer. You're thinking your answer through. You're going to be more succinct. You're going to be more clear in your answer. And that's really helpful to the hiring manager. So you can never pause too long. And I probably said so about 50 times in that paragraph, because you always start saying it when you think about it. We all have those filler words and they change over time sometimes too. Pausing is a really good thing to put in there because sometimes what I found is trying to fix your filler words, you end up with a different phrase stuck in there. Exactly. You just replace it. Yeah. And you can replace it with just a pause. And it's awesome. It actually sounds really normal to everyone else. So <laughs> now I've got you at it. Next thing that we're going to talk about is being unprepared. So the purpose of today, right, is to cover things that you shouldn't do. And one of those things is that you should not be unprepared for your interview. Or in other words, you should be prepared. Yeah. We love that double negative on there. We're just butchering grammar today <laughs> in the English language. If you've done any research at all for your interview, right, for the interviewing process even, you're probably going to be aware of the fact that there's certain questions that are always asked in interviews. Tell me about yourself is one of them. What is your biggest accomplishment is another. You might also hear, why do you want this job? Why are you leaving your last job? What's this gap on your resume? Guys, by the way, if you have the interview series, you'll know what all these questions are and how to answer them. And not being prepared for these questions is a double count against you. It's the second strike. First, you don't know the answer to the question or you haven't practiced one so that it comes out coherently, that's one strike. And the second is that you didn't think about the questions that might be presented to you and prepare yourself for those obvious ones. If you're in an interview, these questions that we've just listed are a large percentage of the time spent. Tell me about yourself, biggest accomplishment. That's, that could be 20 to 30% of your interview time. And there's no reason to be unprepared. Exactly. It's like taking a driving test and never having practiced a three-point turn or turning in the road. It's always in the driving test. Always. For in, well, in the three countries I've lived in, it was in the driving test that you had to be able to do a three-point turn. And to not have practiced it was just silly because I know it's going to be there and I, I'm not going to practice and then I'm just going to fluff it up and then not pass my driving test. Why would you do that? So not having considered, you know, if you Google top 10 questions in an interview, I guarantee the three we talked about will come up on every single page. And so not to have done that is just, you might as well not go to the interview. Yeah. It's like, why would you, it's like getting a practice test. The professor hands out a sheet with half of the questions on them and you don't look at it. Yeah. Why would you see? 
I don't know. <laughs> I find it difficult to write this because it's like, why would you do that? It feels to me, knowing that these are the questions that they're going to ask and being prepared for them, is, it's almost like cheating. It's like, okay, well, here's a cheat sheet, but I'm, I'm going to disregard that. And so it's silly. <laughs> it's like having an open book test and not using the book. Right. I didn't bring my book. Sorry, guys. I forgot my book. First of all, it's silly. It's a detriment to yourself. You're doing yourself a disservice. And it doesn't look good to the hiring manager either because it's showing not just the inability to answer the questions, but also an inability to predict what's going to happen in a situation. That is a really important skill, advantage, ability to have at work and in the world, in the professional settings. If you are able to say, oh, I think this is going to happen in this project because in general, these things happen. That's something that recruiters are definitely looking for. And without preparing for these kind of questions that are pretty normal, pretty standard, you are saying, I can't predict what happened, what will happen. And you're also saying, again, I don't really care about getting this job because I'm not really ready. Yeah. Why, why would you telegraph that? I don't know. If you can't display that advantage, then that ability, you've failed in yet another way. Mm-hmm. So next up, being unable to provide the rationale. of your interview is focused on your past, what you've done and how well you've done it. That's because research shows that the past behavior predicts future behavior. In most things, what we've done in the past is what we'll do in the future. So the jobs you've had, what you did in them, how well you did that, what your accomplishments were, they all tell the hiring manager something about what you will do in the future. And when we look back over our careers, one of the most interesting and telling things is why we made certain moves. Interviewers ask about these decisions because it gives them an understanding of how you make decisions. Yeah. And that's something that you're going to have to do at work, right? Again, this is Mm -hmm. an ability that we're going to leverage in your career at our organization. So imagine interviewing for a job which requires you to choose between suppliers and the interviewer asks you, can you tell me about a time when you've had to choose between two suppliers and how did you make that decision? A good candidate will list criteria, price, quality, delivery date, history, so on and so forth. A bad candidate might only list the price. And when it's part of their job, most candidates understand they can give a rationale as to why they took a particular course of action. I did this because of X, Y, and Z. And then the hiring manager judges whether or not those are good criteria on which to make the decision. Right. If I said I choose between the suppliers based on price, quality, delivery date, history, and their pizza toppings, one of those is not very helpful. And so the hiring manager says, okay, well, that's not helpful. Often though, even if we can do this about work, even if we can give these rationale items about our job, sometimes candidates get tripped up when it's a personal question. Why did you take the job? Why did you move across the country? Why did you leave the job so soon? Things like that. People don't often respond very well to that kind of question from a recruiter. Partly because, well, some people just can't describe the rationale for why they did something. And other times it's because they don't want to share it with the interviewer. So if the answer is, why did you take this job, this previous job that you had, is because they promised me promotion in six months and I didn't get it. 
or my friend was working there and he liked it but it turns out I didn't or I needed a job right then like it can be uncomfortable to share those things if why did you move across the country is for a boy or for a girl then we might want to not want to share because it feels like they're not good answers but human beings aren't always rational in fact mostly we're irrational we don't take jobs because they're a perfect fit. We take them because we know someone or we were promised something or because they're one thing and or we, we think they're one thing and they turn out to be another. We make moves for love. It's okay that these are your answers as long as they're truthful. Mm. The interviewer isn't entirely rational either. It's okay that you've made decisions and they turned out to be the wrong ones. It's okay that things didn't work out. We've all we've all made those mistakes. But what not what is not okay is appearing to make the decisions randomly and without thought. Because that doesn't bode well for the decisions you'll make in the job. Right? If you can clearly describe why you did things, and it doesn't matter whether it turned out well or not, because you learned something about your decision making ability from things that turn wrong turn out wrong. It's really much better to give a bad rationale, bad in inverted commas, something that you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You feel, yeah, you feel a little bit uncomfortable about. It's better to give the bad rationale that you've hopefully learned from than have no rationale at all. Because if you have no rationale and you do things unpredictably, the hiring manager knows that you're going to be unpredictable in the role and nobody wants that. Yeah, that's really scary. Our final, our bonus round is don't have a good answer. We have some casts, Crucial's podcast, about what to do if you don't have an answer to an interview question or if you don't want to tell the interviewer the answer. Right. So if there's a question that you know that's going to come up because it's in the top 10 list of questions and you either have never done that or you've done it and it didn't turn out well or... You just don't feel that whatever happened paints paint you in a positive light. We have podcasts about that go into the what to do in that case in depth. They're from the last six months or so. So if you go to the website and you go to podcasts and then all podcasts, you can sort it by career tools and then you can just look down. And it'll be in the last 12 or so, I should think. Having no good answer and not being willing to say so is annoying to hiring managers. Yeah, gosh. If you're asked, can you tell me about a time where you've had to make a presentation to senior staff members and maybe that's something you've actually never done, the correct thing to do is say, I'm sorry, I've never found myself in that position. I have done X though. Would you like to hear about that instead? There's something that other can that candidates do that we don't want them to do, right? We don't want you to just give us a fake answer, the answer you think we want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do that, if you just give the answer you think is right and you're wrong, then the hiring manager can only assume that you didn't understand this very straightforward question. Right. So if he if he asks, tell me about a time when you've given a presentation to a senior person. And you talk about giving a presentation to your son's school classroom, like it's parents, what does my parent do job day? And you go in and you you tell a bunch of five-year-olds about your job. The hiring manager is going to think, I don't think he understands what senior executives are. 
He clearly understands what present, presenting is, but he doesn't understand this part of the question. Right. And so, you, so you've literally said, I don't understand your very simple question, or I'm choosing not to answer it, which is worse. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to do that. We're wasting time. And you could have moved on to a question that you can actually answer that will provide data to the hiring manager. We're actually denying the hiring manager or the recruiter the data they need and giving them something useless and therefore wasting their time. So we don't want to do that. Instead, we want to be honest, be truthful, and offer another situation, another answer, because no candidate is ever perfect, right? There's there's going to be times when you don't have the experience that they're asking about, and that's okay. What we want to do in those situations is take an opportunity to still demonstrate our positive qualities, things like straightforwardness, honesty, and our ability to adapt and maybe come up with something that might also be useful. And so instead of giving an answer that doesn't make any sense or isn't applicable, things like that, we want to just simply say, I'm so sorry, I haven't had that experience, but perhaps you'd like to hear about X, Y, or Z instead. And if the if that matches what the hiring manager said wants, then they'll tell you. And if they don't, you'll move on to the next question. And you haven't wasted time on a question you can't answer. Mm-hmm, exactly. And the reason these irritations loom large for interviewers be, is because they have so little to go on. You might interview someone only for an hour, and you have to pick all of the data points from that hour. And like we said at the beginning, if you're late, that's that's one data point on your timeliness, and it's a data point that says you're not timely. Uh, if you don't answer a question or you misunderstand a question that's relatively simple, there's one data point that says you don't always understand what's being said, which is not a good thing. And so the hiring managers have so little to go on to choose between candidates that the little things become big things. And it's so easy to avoid them. You can avoid any of the things that we've said in here with practically no effort at all. So be prepared in every sense and your interview performance will be way better. And because you perform better, you'll give better answers, you will show more qualities and you are more likely to get the job you want. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Wendy. Bye, everyone. Hope it was helpful. We'll see you again next week.